Hey there, Charlie O'Shields here with another episode of Sketching Stuff. Many of you know by now that I'm often rather nostalgic, so this is a collection of stories about some fun things from the past. From lava lamps to cassette tapes, we've seen a lot of technology over the last few decades, and more seems to be coming our way every day. In fact, it's often difficult to keep up with everything as the world seems to be constantly changing. So I like to take a little break from all of that every now and again and enjoy some of the simpler moments from the past. It's really no wonder that all things retro and vintage seem to be in vogue. Those were days when we all liked the same things, used the same products, and watched the same television shows. While that may sound boring to some folks today, it gave the decades before us a universal style and language and, in turn, gave the people who lived through them something in common. So I hope you'll join me now for a little stroll down memory lane as we remember those good old days. Welcome to Sketching Stuff, a collection of stories sketched from life. In the time of lava lamps. When I was a kid, I remember having a lava lamp, which was a bizarrely fascinating contraption invented by a British accountant named Edward Craven Walker. Initially known as an astro lamp and introduced in 1963, it was a huge hit, enhanced by the popularity of the various psychedelic drugs of the time. If anyone happens to be unfamiliar with this lamp, it's basically a glass structure with colored blobs of wax and a translucent liquid, heated with a light bulb to cause the warm wax blobs to rise and then fall again after cooling. The effect happens quite slowly, making the whole event perfectly mesmerizing. I was just a baby when all of the initial craze was happening, but the lamps remained popular and continued to make comebacks while I was growing up and are still sold today. I saw one at Target and tried to coax Philippe into buying one for me, but failed to convince him of all the allure and came home empty-handed. I've not given up though and will likely put one on my Christmas list just in case Santa feels differently about the matter. By the way, an update, I did get one for Christmas. Like so many inventions of my childhood, lava lamps were actually way cooler back then. Today, rather than being seen as something revolutionary, they are purchased as simply something cute, vintage, and ironic. The same way I hope many people half my age view me. I remember sitting and simply staring at those blobs of wax moving around and almost going into a trance. It was so strangely relaxing, and I've not found anything to have that same effect until I discovered watercolor sketching. It's lovely to take a moment and let my mind spend less time thinking and more time just going with the flow. The feeling is so rejuvenating that I can't imagine why everyone in the world hasn't started painting every single day. But in truth, these lamps were also a bit weird and the bulbous wax was odd and alien looking. And that's exactly why I love them. All of that alien oozing goodness was housed in a metal rocket ship making it a little boy's dream. I love revisiting these memories because it reminds me of a time when everything new was thrilling. I hadn't learned about or even considered the likelihood of smartphones and lived in a moment when tricks with wax were considered a technological advancement. 
and more incredible still, you could use that same light bulb to cook food in an easy bake oven. One of my childhood traits that I insist on holding on to is my ability to be well and truly amazed. This gets more difficult all of the time as technology zooms forward at a blinding pace, sending new things our way at every turn and updates to those new things less than six months later, causing us to grimace when we didn't decide to wait a bit before purchasing. So it's a great comfort to see that things from my childhood are still in existence today, proof that good ideas are the real currency and technology is merely an enabler. And each day, I feel incredibly thankful to have had the wonderful opportunity to have been born in the time of lava lamps. Living Life in High Fidelity Thinking about lava lamps led me to the music of my childhood and teen years, which was primarily delivered on cassette tapes. Compact discs had only just come out and hadn't gained mainstream popularity yet, mostly because they would often skip and didn't get an anti-skip technology until the 90s. Also, I didn't have a CD player in my car, so that pretty much made certain the cassette tape won out. I love music, but when it comes to tech, I couldn't quite be labeled a true audiophile. Many cassette tapes were labeled high fidelity, or simply HF, a companion term to the visual equivalent of HD. But truly, I never worried much about all of that, as it was the songs themselves and the words and music that I adored any way I could consume them. A key difference with cassette tapes, however, is that if the cassette player got a bit dirty or old, it began to actually eat the tapes. This would mean destroying them outright or simply making it sound like your favorite singer had gotten incredibly drunk while wandering into a sound studio. But when everything worked as expected, it was just a wonderful way to experience a bit of music. In high school, I went through a phase where I was writing and singing songs on the piano. Since you could actually record on cassette tapes, that made them extra special, and I remember making a tape of my songs. I remember it was a clear plastic tape, and I had added a label where I painstakingly wrote out the titles of all of the songs. I only remember the title of one of them, which was called Beyond Midnight, and can't recall a single song after that nor can I recall what happened to this particular tape. Perhaps it's in a box somewhere at my mother's house and I'll stumble across it years from now. That's something I'd like to believe as I'd rather like to hear it again. I'm sure I'll be perfectly embarrassed by the outcome and that's all part of the fun, but more likely it's simply been lost to time as I focused on other pursuits. Though I definitely love those analog days, there's something to be said for capturing everything in digital form. It floats up to a cloud and stays there waiting for the moment when you'd like to revisit it again. From my musical performances on now lost VHS tapes and no player to view them with any more anyway, to lost cassette tapes, there's certainly a bit of improvement that comes with all of this new technology, especially when it comes to preserving memories. While I'm not sure I'd like to have been part of the YouTube generation that has no secrets left to hold dear, I do wish more of my youth had been captured in a way that I could still easily view it today. Or perhaps it's wonderful just as it is. In my mind, I was a fabulous songwriter and brilliant on stage as I was belting out a ballad. With nothing to prove otherwise, I can simply wallow in a memory that is far too good to actually be true, but impossible to contradict. 
That said, a childhood friend did post a little clip of me singing in a show with her last year on my Facebook page, and my initial thought was to hide it immediately, but I didn't. I've always been shy about appearing on video, so I let it stand as a testament to bravery and the distinction of being the only video of me that currently exists on the internet. And today, you can now hear me on this Sketching Stuff podcast, or my new cassette tape, as I like to think of it. I've simply found a new way to keep living life in high fidelity. Riding in bumper cars. Going to a large amusement park full of roller coasters was rare when I was little, though I do remember going to county fairs quite a lot to ride those tinier rides, the ones that arrived the day before on a truck and looked like they'd been hot glued together just for the occasion. As kids, we assumed they were just fine and didn't realize we'd stepped onto the very definition of a thrill ride. Bumper cars, or dodgems, were always fun back then because it was like getting to drive a real car. Granted, you were taught that wrecking your car into other unsuspecting souls' vehicles was great fun, which I now realize is a rather strange and questionable first driving lesson. For this post, I sketched a 1955 bumper car long before my time, but just so cool that I had to doodle wash it. The peculiar thing about bumper cars is that you're not really moving very fast. If you were, there would be whiplash and lawsuits to contend with, so instead you'll find yourself toddling along at slightly more than three miles per hour, or five kilometers. This is roughly the average human walking speed, so one supposes it's not dissimilar to a group of people stumbling through a crowded bar. The key difference is that you get to sit down the entire time, won't get strange looks if you start screaming, and are less likely to end the evening in a pool of sick. The entire experience is ludicrous to be sure, but like so many silly things, it's also great fun. Though it's been years since I've climbed into one of these things, I can still remember the sound of sparks flying, the gentle thuds, and the squeaky sound of rubber. I haven't ridden in one in years and wonder if it would be as fun as my memories make it out to be. It's the thrill of doing something a little naughty that makes it so enjoyable. Getting permission to drive like a maniac is rather fun and something I'd long to do in morning traffic just to ease the frustration. Sometimes I wish I could be so carefree and blameless that every little bump along the way was met with such giddy enthusiasm. Someone gets in your way and you simply affect a determined face and go around them. Or if you get stuck, then someone comes along and helps you out of the scrape. Real life is seldom this convenient, but it does make me think that life would be pretty grand if it was nothing more than riding in bumper cars. Camper Van Dreams 
After sketching an Airstream trailer once, my mind drifted to another of my recreational dream vehicles, which would definitely have to be a VW camper van. Though I've never once owned one, I occasionally see them passing by and think it would be amazing to have one as they just look super cool. Admittedly, my dream of owning a van one day started as a child when I was watching Scooby-Doo cartoons. The mystery van was so incredibly cool and so I vowed in that moment that when I was old enough to drive, I would have a van just like that. This sadly never actually happened and my first car turned out to be a borrowed old blue truck instead. It was a bit rusted out and not really something you'd be proud to show up in were you about to solve a mystery with your dog and friends. But it still gave me that early sense of freedom that one feels when driving alone for the first time. I would never end up getting a camper van, much less a cool mystery van, so it's still been one of those fond dreams I've carried with me to this day. Along with these Scooby-Doo dreams came a wish to one day write mystery stories or maybe even write for television. I very briefly learned about writing for television in college, but before I could even practice what I'd learned, I ended up getting distracted with computer graphics instead. This would lead to a life of following each little distraction and lots of really fun experiences. But now that I'm getting older, it makes me think back and wonder whether I was actually on a mindful journey or simply a joy ride. I think in truth it was the latter, and though I have no regrets on that front, there are many wishes that went unfulfilled. Sometimes when things fail to happen in life, it's easy to write them off as simply a missed opportunity. But then I think that's perfectly weird and doesn't make any logical sense at all. The very fact that I'm still living means any one of those long lost dreams are still actually quite possible. It's never too late to try again. Though I've not written another book yet, I will definitely write one in the future. And it's been fun to write and illustrate stories each day on my blog. And I now get to share some of those stories in audio form on this podcast. By the way, if you enjoy this podcast, please, please let other people know. I'm rubbish at promoting myself, so I just sort of put things out there and hope for the best. And if you'd like to leave a happy review on iTunes, that would be wonderful as well. It's been an amazing journey of watercolor and stories, and I'm excited for the next chapter. And though I might have much I'd still like to accomplish in life, I have happily come a pretty long way since those early camper van dreams. Watching a Childhood Show Though time travel hasn't been made possible yet, watching a favorite show from childhood is the next best thing. Watching a Disney movie from when I was a kid is just as enjoyable today as it was back then. Sure, I'm a big kid at heart, but a wonderful story is still a wonderful story, even if it doesn't look quite as grand as the modern versions. Some shows, however, don't age quite as well, giving one that what the hell, why did we all like that moment? But the memories that these shows evoke are always wonderful for me, even if the reviewing of them isn't quite as wonderful as I remember. As a kid, I was super excited to get my own little television in my room, which was only capable of displaying images in black and white. 
So in some cases, just seeing some of those shows in color can be a rather magical thing. Or sometimes not as much. I used to dream about all of the colors I thought should be there on that tiny black and white screen. It was my first version of painting, even if it was only in my mind. Sometimes I prefer to simply remember the colors I imagined. When I was a little kid, one of the most popular shows on television was Happy Days. It was perfectly ridiculous in that perfect way that makes people smile. And it was kind enough to spawn two of my other favorite shows. The first was Laverne and Shirley, a show where I can still sing the entire opening song, though I only do it in the shower. The second spinoff I loved was Mork and Mindy, the story of an extraterrestrial that journeys to Earth in a big egg and becomes a roommate with a girl who works in her father's record store. Yeah, it sounds perfectly stupid in description, and it really was, which is exactly why it was so enjoyable. The other two shows that came before I was born but were played continuously when I got home from school in the 70s were Gilligan's Island and the Beverly Hillbillies. The first, a show about seven castaways long before Tom Hanks was ever found talking to a volleyball, and the second, a show about seriously backward people from my home state, striking it rich when they discover crude oil. Yeah, there's a theme here. I love a cleverly dumb premise. So many stories today attempt to be all too relevant and hard-hitting, when the stories of my childhood were simply stupid escapes. I rather miss those shows, the ones you showed up for not to be impressed or challenged, but to simply be entertained and guaranteed a smile or two along the way. I've never been a fan of any art that tries so hard to make a point, the point is lost entirely to the majority of people viewing it. I just love enjoyable stories where people do things that people do in those perfectly dumb ways that they really do them. It just feels more real, especially when the storyline is ludicrous. Real life is definitely a bit ludicrous, but I probably wouldn't have it any other way. Those days spent sitting in front of my little black and white screen are a cherished memory for me now. Little stories I would paint in color with my mind, laughing along the way. Not much has changed, really. If you listen to this podcast or show up to my blog to read my daily little posts, you very often found yourself watching a childhood show. Ancestor Appreciation Day Ancestor Appreciation Day is celebrated on September 27th and is meant to be a day where you celebrate your heritage and your ancestry. Mine is a little blurry with just bits of information that my mother has given me, so I opted to celebrate that day with a vintage camera to bring a bit of focus I wish I had. In truth, my family tree has so many forks in it that it's all a bit of a mystery. My mother told me that my grandfather on my dad's side pointed to where he came from on a map, but all she could remember was County Cork, Ireland. From there, bits of Native American came into play, including someone called Blue, and nobody seems to know much of anything at all after that. I remember grilling her for these details once, but when they came back to me this convoluted, I was more confused than when I started. In truth, I would love to know my actual heritage, but I'm equally content celebrating the people I actually did know that are no longer in my life. My grandfather, who pointed to a map, and my own father, who has been gone now for over 15 years. My grandmother, who almost made it to 100, but passed at the ripe old age of 99. 
These are my ancestors, though rather immediate, and I adore taking a moment to reflect on them and cherish the memory. The only old photo I have in my possession is on my mom's side of the family. It shows her, along with her three brothers and my grandmother and grandfather. Only two people in that photo are still alive today. My mother and one uncle. As time lurches forward, I know that one day that photo will be truly the only thing left. A moment captured in time that can never be captured again. But I adore this photo, and it's one of my most prized possessions. I look at it every single day as a reminder of my heritage and a wonderful memories of my childhood that spin back to me when I view it. So many things have changed over the years, and I myself continue to grow older each and every day. But when I see those people at that time when I wasn't even an idea that might even happen, it always brings me comfort. Life is richly grounded in the past, but we actually live each day in this very moment. What we choose to do with it is everything in the world. We won't be here forever, but that doesn't mean we can't make the best of every moment we experience along the way. When I look at that old photo, I see the gleam in each person's eye, the thoughts there that are imagining something awesome, something even better than what is taking place in that moment. We all have this feeling burning in our soul, and it's the very thing that makes us human. Whether we know our actual heritage precisely or not, we can rest assured that we come from a long line of dreamers. That's the very definition of being a human being. Sure, there's those super creative folks we all admire, but dreams are not limited to people like that. We all share an amazing heritage, with each one of our ancestors imagining something more incredible that just might happen around the next corner. And in this moment, I'm humbled by the sheer thought of all those dreams that came before me. I'm not the first of my ancestors to imagine something amazing, nor will I be the last. It's hardwired into our souls. We're not here only to admire history, but to make a little bit of it along the way. That's the beautiful circle of life that makes each and every day Ancestor Appreciation Day. A bit of typing. I once had a prompt of cool colors that could be anything at all, so I decided to make a quick doodle wash of a typewriter because I've always wanted to try sketching one. This is something that may seem as rare as a unicorn to the younger people out there, but once upon a time this was how we put words to paper. I learned to type on one of these machines and still remember the thrill and terror of doing so. There was always a bottle of whiteout nearby to correct any horrible mistakes, as many occurred in my fevered attempt to type quickly. I soon got much better and could type without very many mistakes at all, but imperfections still found their way to the page. I rather loved using a typewriter, and I even had a fancy one where you could change the style of type used. The mere act of needing this feature should have been a signal that I would end up in a career of graphic design and marketing. I wanted full control over both the words and the visuals. But the efficiency of computers to deliver both at once soon won me over and I quickly converted. Today I feel like I spend most of my time typing, so it's nice to pause and pick up a pen and a paintbrush instead. 
But typewriters have a special place in my heart. They were the analog equivalent of drawing. While I happily dash something off on paper with my ink pen and quickly color it with a brush, I've always struggled a bit more with writing. It wasn't until I started blogging that I even began to write on a regular basis, but my current rambles are all actual stories of life, and my real goal is to write a bit of fiction one day. November is National Novel Writing Month, and each year I get the urge to make a book. One year, Philippe and I published a little cookbook called Do Cook, and last year I assembled some of my favorite writings and illustration, including some brand new rambles, into yet another book. When I was sketching this typewriter, I had just hit publish on my new book, which was of course called Sketching Stuff, and is now available on Amazon.com. Doing so took me back to those days when I was plunking out words on a typewriter. There are many stories that I told one plunk at a time on those things, and all of the paper has now been quite lost. Even my mother, who collects everything from when I was young, has no record of those stories. So as cool as this old technology is, I have to admire the updated version, as it's nice to have what you write captured a bit more permanently. There were some stories that I've written that were captured on a dot matrix printer. These were two-minute mysteries that I wrote one time when a winter ice storm took our power out for a week. I have to giggle that my writing hasn't really leapt past this short format. Today I'm still just writing a couple of pages of story and then leaping on to the next one. So a full novel seems like something nearly impossible for me to write, yet I managed to publish my sketching stuff book with nearly 50,000 words and over 180 illustrations, so perhaps I have it in me to write that novel after all. Life is a strange and wonderful thing. Our dreams are simply a guide to direct us in a particular direction. They're never a perfect replica of what might actually occur, but a perfect hope of something that might just be possible. So I dream on with wild abandon and let those crazy thoughts do whatever they intend. Who really knows what the future will bring? Perhaps one day, my dream of writing that amazing piece of fiction will come true. But for today, I'm just thrilled showing up to sketch and tell stories while I happily enjoy a bit of typing. Thanks so much for listening to the Sketching Stuff Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and new episodes will be added bi-weekly. Visit me at sketchingstuff.com to share your comments and stories. Bye.